Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. As America prepares its presidential election on November the 3rd, we look at the life of a president who 40 years ago was called a dangerous extremist, who wanted to put nuclear weapons in space and who proposed large tax and spending cuts hoping to destroy the power of Washington. Go and get a uniform report of the scrubs. Why? Because I think you'd make a football player. I doubt Try it. it anyway. All right, if you insist. Now, wait a minute. What's your name? Kip. George Kip. Raised in the small towns of Illinois, he was the actor who changed America, helped bring down the Berlin Wall and became a lion of the right. If you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. A movie star and Democrat, as the president of the Screen Actors Guild, he worked to root out communist influence in Hollywood. I never, as a citizen, want to see our country or become urged by either fear or resentment of this group that we ever compromise with any of our democratic principles through that fear or resentment. His speech in 1964, a time for choosing for Republican presidential nominee Barry Goldwater, earned him national attention as a new conservative spokesman. One side in this campaign has been telling us that the issues of this election are the maintenance of peace and prosperity. The line has been used, we've never had it so good. But I have an uncomfortable feeling that this prosperity isn't something on which we can base our hopes for the future. Listen to part one of Ronald Reagan, from Illinois to California on 10 American presidents, from Royfield Brown and the author of Reagan, American icon Ewan Morgan. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, a cast and wherever else you get your podcasts. from Philippa at the Quick Book Reviews podcast. Now more than ever, people are often turning to a book to provide them with a great escape and I usually get asked, which book should I read next? There are so many to choose from. Well, help is at hand. The Quick Book Reviews podcast does what it says on the tin. It gives you some quick book reviews. You can tell how long it took me to come up with that market-leading title. Well done, me. And it covers all sorts of different books you might be interested in. And, hopefully, a happy half hour with me chatting about life, cups of tea, biscuits and books. Lots of books. From crime to thriller to general fiction, audiobooks, even children's books. If I think it's good, I'll want to tell you about it. And if I'm not such a fan, I'll tell you that too. 
It's not about literature or fine arts. It's just about finding a good read that makes you want to keep turning the pages, finding books that deliver a great ending. Fancy a listen? Download the Quick Book Reviews podcast and see what you think. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. from Northampton and her teenage daughter who'd like to be anonymous. Folks, this is Dum Dee Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that are centred in Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the golden coin, that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the buried treasure who is... Kerry Warbis. And we're joined by that hidden bit of bounty who goes by the name of... Peter Fickling. And the last part of this week's sunken booty folks is you. Now, this week's Dumbly Dum is from Charlotte and her teenage daughter, and they're from Northampton. It's a wonderful symmetry because last week the Dumbly Dum was from uh, somebody in Southampton. So thank you for that. Uh, now, Kerry, if somebody from West Hampton or East Hampton would like to send us in a Dumbly Dum, how can that be done? I really liked that Dumpty Dum, by it the way. It was wonderful, wasn't it? And the fact that the teenage daughter wished to remain anonymous. Yes, that is a common thing. They either don't want to remain anonymous. It's one extreme or the other, isn't it? Um, so bless her. I thought it was brilliant. Um, so if you would like to sing us a dumpty dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105. Leave us a message on SpeakPipe or send us a text message starting with dumb to 077-862-00690. And thanks to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Lucy B. Freeman. On this week's episode, we hear uh, cues from... Uh, Witherspoon, he's back. Uh, Claire from Clapham, she's back. Mary, not contrary, she's back. Miranda, she's new. And Pat. But first, it's our burning topic of the week. And it is, would Jennifer really listen to Susan on the radio? And it's according to my notes here. Actually, this is a deeper topic than it seems. So it's our hot topic of the week, and this week it is, would Jennifer really listen to Susan on the radio? As according to the notes here, actually a deeper topic than it seems. Pete Vicklin, over to you, sir. Well, factually, the answer is yes, because we heard her um, listening to Susan in the car. But I know that a couple of weeks ago, Kerry was 
really, really quite passionate in her sort of disbelief of that ever being possible. And of course, then when we heard Jennifer confronting Susan about the um, uh, the faux pas of blurting it all out on air, she then came up with a series of uh, uh, um, rather sort of um, ham-fisted excuses for why she did occasionally listen in. But I, I don't know. I mean, this is based on very little, but I got the impression that uh, Jennifer probably would flick it on when she's in the car because she accused uh, Susan quite enthusiastically of being a gossip, but I think she knows of what she speaks, being one herself. I think she'd probably quite enjoy listening to all the gossip or, or, or hearing Susan blurt out all of um, her secrets from the boudoir. Previously, I was incredulous that Jennifer would A, listen to Radio Borsetshire and B, write in. <laughs> and I, I just don't imagine her do it, broadcasting the fact to the county that she listens in. The fact that she listens is definitely sort of um, seems credible to me, but the idea she would ever reveal it to the world was definitely to Susan. Mm, that seemed yeah. impossible. And and it was funny when Susan sort of said, didn't she, I'm surprised you listened to the show. And she's like, oh, it's uh, sometimes on in the background, really playing it down. Uh, it doesn't really fit with our Jennifer, does it, at all? But of course, it now turns out it was a rather um, necessary way of getting them in a room and clashing mm -hmm. about, you know, um, Alice and Chris's um, upcoming, uh, whatever it's going to be. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we still don't know, do we? What's happening yeah. with that? Yeah, a, a bottle of vodka in a baby grow that's going to fall out in about um, six months' time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and actually, I mean, I was quite grateful uh, because I mean, I'm I, I'm buckling in for a very grim uh, half a year with the archers, um, and I'll be grateful for any light relief we can get. And I think that Susan and Jennifer might be a good way of sort of offering you some other perspectives when they need to keep it serious, mm -hmm. but also um, keeping it light as well, because they're, they're, there's always some quite easy comedy when the two of them are in the room together. Yeah, I think it's either going to be very light or very, very grim indeed uh, with those two. Because at the end of, of last week, they both made a pact about um, keeping each other in check during the pregnancy. So then they're, they're not over fussing and so on. But yeah. it's got the potential to lead to huge clashes, hasn't it? Once Susan um, realises Alice's failings, if you like. It's a good device. Yeah as well because it'll be a great way of getting information to us about the pregnancy without always having to have Alice and Chris kind of doing all the heavy lifting and having sort of some rather tedious back and forth. Everyone involved in the podcast has kids and even as you're going through it you know that you're boring other people to, to death talking <laughs> about you know your children sometimes um, so that'll be quite a useful way of kind of you know having them Having them, you know, sort of talk about the pressures on them as potential grandmothers mm. will be quite a good way of kind of a, a spoon feeding of some of this stuff and also giving you that kind of nasty brooding menace that you were alluding to, Kerry. Yeah, uh, Susan was very masterful in turning Jennifer's rage around, I thought, to the point where she actually invited her to go on the show <laughs> to, to share her culinary tips and stuff. I, when I was a teenager, I there was a moment when I realised just how clever my mum was, and I then immediately felt this kind of shame that I hadn't spotted it before. She kind of, in a moment, went from being this kind of the person who just sort of cleans up my sick and, you know, make, <laughs> makes food magically appear. I mean, obviously it wasn't this binary, but you know, there was this. But I had this mm. horrible moment when I realised just how bright my mum was, and that I sort of missed out on it a bit before. Um, and then I think, so have I made the same mistake twice? Have, have I just only recently realised how clever Susan is? Or 
is this something that's been brought in more recently? Because I feel like the Susan mm. that I knew was not as bright yeah. as the, the, the version we're getting at the moment. It was really odd because when I first heard it, Suze, I was like really cross with Susan for broadcasting it. But when I listened again, um, Chris literally says, she says to Chris, I take it, I can tell people. And he goes, oh, yeah. Alice is still getting her head around it. So you'll probably be doing us a favour. So he's the stupid one <laughs> out of anybody. I thought, yes, and yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's a very much of a go big or go home approach to things. Like there's hiring a town crier to sort of gently walk around the village, and then there's walking around with a t-shirt cannon, just firing, you know, sort of <laughs> nuggets of information straight into people's faces. I mean, which is effectively when if you deploy Susan, I mean, it's a very yeah. blunt instrument. Mm. Mm. Well, just 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 like you, Pet, I thought. Well, it was unfair of Jennifer to have a go at uh, Susan because Christopher said that Alice was going to go and tell her folks, didn't he? You know, so as far as Susan was concerned, you know, it was out all out there in the wild, so to speak. But I've got a more slightly fundamental issue with the whole thing is that mm. I don't believe that Jennifer would be a Radio Borsitcher listener full stop. I think she'd be Radio 4 or Radio 3. I don't think should be... Do, I don't think she'd be getting her feet dirty uh, listening to Radio mm. Borsetshire, full stop. Even though a member of her family, in parentheses, in air quotes, uh, was on air. Because the, the other issue is that she just thinks she's better than Susan, which kind of yeah. came out in the whole argument. Uh, and she she said it, you know, she said she said it as much, didn't she? And though Susan was masterful in patching things up and uh, and just saying, look, you know, it was a mistake. I was just really excited, etc. And they had this great kind of come together moment at the end. But would Jennifer let her have it with both barrels and Jennifer's snobbery, uh, you know, came, came out and was there for us all to hear? So I don't think should have been listening full stop. And I have a more, that, yeah. that, that's my fundamental uh, kind of like, you know, point. Yeah, but you're, you you're very much, sorry. Oh no, just Royfield's very much the Jennifer of our bunch. You know, you're, you've been <laughs> said you're the, you said you're the Jolene. I'm definitely the Susan, you know, kind of can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but the other day we spoke Royfield and you were listening to MSNBC, um, the, the morning Joe show. And I was taken aback that uh, a man of your, erudition wit and uh, raw <laughs> intellect would lower yourself to something so base um so you know if you're capable of having that kind of range of different um sort of uh, you know media yeah. inputs then why not jennifer peter Pete. how low do you go on your radio listening Oh, um, well, dumpty dum, actually, um, when I check in each week. Um, um, no, um, I, what's my lowest? Um, I don't know, probably, probably quickly Kevin podcast, but that's really good anyway. I mean, but it's quite, it's quite, you know, it's quite sort of a grubby childish humour, but yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about radio here, you know, which rate do you, other than Radio 4? I used I... to listen to Heart specifically travelling to Birmingham from London because they did um, party classics, but their party classics were 80s R&B uh, to early 90s house. And it was and that's utterly a sweet spot for me. So yeah. but 
I wouldn't be seen dead listening to Heart any other time. And that's purely in the car and it was family music. It meant we could all oh. sing along to, to to all the tunes. Yeah. With Heart, it's just really repetitive, isn't it? It's sort of on a loop. You hear the same track a thousand times. Mm. But I get your point about that particular genre of music, for sure. Yeah. I've just realised how I can answer your question, Kerry. Um, uh, yeah. Obviously, there's music you choose to put on and then there's music you're gifted through your marriage to a wonderful wonderful woman and uh my wife has the worst taste in radio in the world so of a saturday morning i will have the art oh, the worst radio show in the world which is that saturday a.m thing on radio four and then just as i just as i'm losing the will to live then then i get rylan on radio two so that's my that's my saturday morning and i cannot stand it Oh, I love Rylan himself, but I was thinking Jennifer could be a radio tour. I, I had that in my mind. No, Jennifer's got sort of street smart. She's got an she's an emotionally intelligent person, but I, don't, I mean she's not particularly sort of um, highfalutin in her tastes. Otherwise, um, really, she? Yeah, I can... doesn't she have like um, a sparkling water? Well, she used to have a sparkling water tap. <laughs> in, in their kitchen. Come on, she's very highfalutin, and you know she's forever. In Borsetshire Life magazine, you know, come on. If it, it, Vince Casey is obviously that like the ultimate Ari Vist, but I always got the impression that sort of um, Jennifer was kind of like, yes, it was all a bit sort of um, uh, um, cast lines at the end of the the, the driveway. No, and kind of lots no, of brass Peter, and gold. And... Couldn't disagree with you more. No, no she's, she's got class. Jennifer's got class, she? and she oh, hides God. the fact. Uh, that she's come up from quite humble beginnings very well. So the fact, you know, she had um, her early teenage pregnancy with, with Adam and it's all kind of very hidden. And she's reinvented herself as being the squire of the village's wife. And she does it very, very well. She doesn't like to be reminded of, of her past and the fact that when she, she grew up in a pub. you know, And I think, and I could be wrong, Cosmo, please rescue me, but she went, away to boarding school that's the reason why she sounds very different from from tony mm -hmm. right yeah so she wouldn't listen to elaine page on radio 2 then is that is that is that your uh is that your naughty listen then kerry no it isn't no i listen to <laughs> Raid. i know she exists but no i don't go there uh i listen to radio 4 all the time really um, oh my god that's the, that's takes some that takes some guts yeah i know i know and six music is the other one okay yeah. i completely so, had you down people. as a six music woman that that comes yeah. as no surprise yeah so, uh, Peter, your radio listening habits, uh, can you just kind of sum them up for us before we go on to the next section? Because the listeners uh, are hanging on, on their edge of their podcast here, quite, quite right. literally. I'm sorry to have left everyone waiting this long. Basically, it's just podcasts now. Um, I don't have any time for any radio, unfortunately. So it's Ooh. just podcasts. Yeah. Ooh. Right. There you had it first, folks. Peter Fickling doesn't listen to broadcast radio anymore. Is above all that. <laughs> Is all about the podcasts. Hello, Ambridge three nine six two. First off, it's Pat. Hello, it's Pat from Leeds. Love to everybody there. Um, I'm just ringing to say thank you for the 
Zoom tonight. I thought it was really good. And thanks for organising it, Royfield, and for everyone who contributed. Um, I've got a very mini plot prediction, which is that Harrison is going to be absolutely fine with Fallon not wanting to have a baby. I think he's going to be great not, not going to really be a story. Um, but I could be wrong, of course, but that's my prediction. Anyway, I'm glad I've somehow, in a minor way, redeemed the name Pat for Peter. Love to everybody. <laughs> Stay safe. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Um, yeah, I agree, Pat. As you may have heard, I did say exactly that thing on the last podcast, uh, that Harrison will be fine about Fallon not wanting a baby. I agree with yeah. that prediction. I could really do with them, um, with, with, um, you know, staying together and being uh, sort of you know, persisting and being a, a supportive and loving couple. And it will and it would be a nice, clean balance to everything that's going on with Chris and Alice. Um, not, I, I was shot down quite violently a couple of weeks ago, and I suggested that it was there was some affection between Chris and Alice uh, uh, still remaining. Do you think that this week we've seen a bit of that? That as you know, I know Chris has been a bit cloying and sort of overprotective and over the top in his kind of excitement, but that's kind of necessary for the plot. Alice has been showing quite a lot of affection in return, and sort of concern for, or is that just guilt? Oh, I think it's heavily driven by guilt. And when I hear them as a pair, I don't think of them as a pair. And I just right. don't. I don't feel that natural warmth or anything. You're right about the guilt factor because it colours everything about her, I think. Yeah. For me. Um, however, I, I do. I did listen intently to Fallon and Jazza and thought, yeah, there's still a bit of something there between those two. So that's what that would be, and that would be absolutely fantastic. Because I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I, I I think Harrison's a a lovely character. I really enjoy really enjoy him. I think he's getting better all the time. But he can f off if it if it gives Jazza a chance at um, happiness. <laughs> um, you know, I, I will sacrifice many many things to get Jazza his um, shot at Fallon. <laughs> well, yeah. well he did have his chance in in, in the in the late noughts didn't he they he did, did have they did have one night together up uh, was it at the festival or after a festival there was something to do with them uh-huh. going away and, and and stuff and uh but, then, but that's been an eclipse there hasn't it because more recently he did pour out his heart to her yes about a year and a half two years ago but then there was the him getting her uh her wedding dress wasn't there there was yeah, all, yeah. All that. oh that was yeah. So poignant that bit. Yeah. So yeah. so I think that ship has sailed our Peter. I I, I really yeah. do. You know, he, do. yes, he'll always have a little thing for her, but I think in terms of a you know, something which is uh, you know, a hot topic so to speak, I think that's nah, mm. gone. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. But I agree but, uh, with you though, um, Auntie Kerry Warburton, that mm-hmm. Alice and Chris just don't sound like a couple. And it wasn't that you were shot down a few weeks ago, Peter. It just I just disagreed. I just thought, nah, you know, their the, their relationship emotionally is so lopsided, and yeah. you know, it's all about Chris adoring her and giving her, um, you know, giving into to her full stop, not holding her to account, etc. And and I think it's in large part because he thinks he's punching way above his weight and he can't believe he's landed an Aldridge. There have definitely been scenes where they've been giggling and laughing together um, and that felt like, you know, quite genuine. But more recently, 
with the baby storyline, they're just so disconnected. Um, I think the the clumsy analogy I gave to you the other day when we were on the phone, Kerry, was that uh, um, I feel like we're halfway through a marathon, our nipples are already bleeding, um, our feet are like blocks <laughs> of ice, and we're just kind of like we're just just willing ourselves to the finishing line. And it was the same with the Robin Helen plotline. I I I didn't I didn't care about Helen, and so I had to sort of like. I had to sort of think about mm -hmm. uh, it was almost like an it was almost active. I had to think about the poor people out there suffering the same problems she had and try and sort of uh, yeah. use my compassion for real world people to try and try and find some kind of level of interest in the plot with Helen. And the same thing with Alice and Chris. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's it's so grim. It's so unpleasant. We can see what's happening. It's all happening in slow motion ahead of us. And and also when when they're being forced to to read read out this stuff. It just, it doesn't seem plausible. I mean, Alex, the actress who plays Alice is doing a great job at when she's been doing the drunk scenes. But but Chris has transformed into this weird kind of um, uh, sunny delight addicted sort of puppy creature. Oh, I guess I am. Um, you know, you got all kind of like hyped up about being a father. It was all, it was all too much. So I just, I just, I just don't care. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with the Helen thing that you've just said and with the Alice and Chris as well. Mm. Um, right. So that was our Pat. And uh, Pat, I think you got your money's worth out of the team. And Peter acknowledges uh, that uh, you've helped rehabilitate the name Pat. So uh, I did. I, when, when, it, when you said it's you, Pat, I immediately thought Pat from Leeds. Lovely Pat from Leeds. So, yes, full rehabilitation. Job done. So well done to you, Pat. Well done. Uh, now it's up below East West Side. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Greetings everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here First, a thanks to Royfield for putting together a fun-filled two-hour celebration of our community on Friday Two weeks ago, I was pretty surprised when Lillian encouraged Alice to have a drink and I guess not surprised to hear she drank moderately during her own pregnancy. In my book, moderate drinking is a good deal of drinking. Specifically, the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse defines moderate drinking in women as up to three drinks in a day or seven drinks in a week. I thought it was irresponsible for the archers not to present countervailing advice. I was then aghast when last week Peter reported that a doctor told him and his wife that it was okay for her to have a drink to deal with the stress of pregnancy. I consulted some professional guidelines for the following so as not to get it wrong. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that women who are pregnant or who are planning to become pregnant abstain from drinking alcoholic beverages of any kind. Full stop. End of story. So, I was pleased to hear this week that the health professional talking with Alice and Chris did indeed repeat that advice and warning about drinking. Alice then lied, and Chris was defensive. I'm still scratching my head as to what happened in Alice's visit to A&E. I thought the info must have been shared on some NHS electronic records base, but I did some research and discovered that the NHS doesn't use electronic medical records, having dropped such efforts to convert a number of years ago. Finally, on another note, Peter, we must have a talk about one of the best musicals ever, Hamilton. Watch it on Disney Plus for a greater understanding of the lyrics. And the music is far from being all rap or hip-hop. Whatever genre it is, it's outstanding. Talk to you soon. <laughs>
Ooh, what's the reference to the musicals, Peter? Oh, it's a very brief aside last week. Um, I'm a bit Buddhist had tweeted in and or someone had and they had and the way they'd done it was one of those kind of slightly syncopated semi rhyming um, raps that um, Lim Manuel Miranda did in Hamilton. You know, the, the rhythm kind of goes a ticker, ticker, bigger, bigger, ticker, bigger, big, you know, there's a sort of. Um, yeah. Anyway, and I <laughs> and I, I will I will confess my prejudice against Hamilton is not so much the actual product itself; it's the kind of um, um, bunting, draped, squealing middle class um, kind of excitement about it. <laughs> people who will, people who without a, without even thinking will kind of dismiss um, any number, you know, all, all the genres that with the spoon just listed, and at the same time wet the bed with excitement because they've got tickets to Hamilton. So, uh, you know, it's more of a prejudice about the phenomena than it is about the actual product itself uh-huh. um but oh but um okay. while while we're dealing with um uh, um uh, witherspoon's um calls out call outs of, of my preferences and my wife's preferences um yeah i was surprised as i i was surprised as well this week when the the uh, midwife said the new guidance was absolutely no drinking whatsoever and sort of when so when cyrus when charlotte and i would have had this conversation would have been about three years ago so i don't know if anything's changed since but um just so with a spoon doesn't worry too much charlotte pretty much didn't drink in the pregnancy mm-hmm. so um that's i think it might have been one glass of champagne towards the end but um yeah but i think actually um mm-hmm. uh, to to bring it back to the archers i think one of the things that she did enjoy was the knowledge that she might be able to and I think that's important, isn't it? It reduces the stress. And Kerry and I were talking about, because Kerry's on a dry dry October, aren't you, Kerry? And we yeah. were talking about sort of if you uh, screwed up one evening and did have a drink, you shouldn't then the next morning just feel terrible and immediately sort of like, oh, that's it, I'm mm. done. I can just, I'll just carry on drinking. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, in fact, I think I may have a pass on Saturday when I'm going to London to see the Warhol exhibition with my friend Jeremy, who's not on Twitter. Um, and we, I think I will drink on Saturday, partway through Sober right. October, and I won't feel bad about it because I haven't seen him for months, and then I'll get back on the sober side of things. So, yeah. Um, uh, just on Hamilton, I will admit that yeah. I took into the whole phenomena of Hamilton a whole load of working-class chip on my shoulder. I'm black. Black people did rap what's going on here prejudice into it i did and i was disabused of my prejudice uh, twofold firstly by hearing uh, lynn manuel miranda explain how he got into hip-hop and his utter forensic understanding of the genre and then him saying things like and people don't quote me on this but um so biggie smalls is hamilton and Biggie Smalls rapped like this. He, he syncopated every third word and he did X and Y and Z and blah, blah, blah. And Tupac is Thomas Jefferson. Tupac rapped like this. Early Tupac. And he has such a love and understanding for for rap that it's hard not to go, mm, okay, you've done the work, mate. You know what you're talking about. And I don't claim to be any particular big fan of hip-hop or rap. So after I, after I heard him um, talk about it in such uh, glowing terms about the genre, then I had much more of an open mind. And I was one of those. Uh, when I came out of watching it, 
I was then one of these middle class, uh, you know, woohoo, that was amazing. That kind of changed my life. Yahoo's. Considering that also I have a big love for American history and presidential history. So I had an idea of, you know, the story of Hamilton uh, kind of beforehand. So in terms of a spectacle musically, is it really clever? Absolutely. In terms of being a cultural moment, Okay, maybe some people went over the top, but it's bloody clever, Peter. It's bloody yeah, clever. Uh, uh, it's, it's it's part of a long list of things that I deprive myself of because I just am too stubbornly anti the kind of the hoopla that surrounds it. And it's a it's not I'm not the only <laughs> one who has that failing, but I am particularly bad at it. But uh, Royfield, I mean, mm. I never for a minute thought you'd be into rap. I, I, when I imagine a young Royfield, I imagine you dressed like Isambard <laughs> King de Brunel with a kind of a three foot high stove foot. Uh, stove, you know, stovepipe hat. Stovepipe um, hat. You know, sort of watching endless Fred Didner tapes that you forced your parents to record. So, Peter, am I Isambard you know, Kingdom <laughs> Brunel or am I Jennifer Aldridge? I'm just trying to work out wh- who who am I. Well, you're complex enough to have both of those uh, um, strong personalities jingling and jangling what around. So we're back to yeah. it. Has to be said, I kind of, um, I kind of got a, div- a divorce at least a separation from hip hop after Public Enemy. Up until that point, I was down with it. So Sugar Hill Gang, all the early stuff, a bit of Run DMC, my Adidas, love all of that and whatever. (laughs) Early LL Cool J, Rock the Bells, all of that. And then Public Enemy, I went, yes. What a sonic overload. You can walk into those songs and they just like hit you over the head with a crowbar. They're just like sonically so powerful. The energy, you got NWA. And then I thought, nah, there was just too much effing. And as you would say, uh, Pete, Jeffin, and it was just nihilism. It was nihilism for the, for the sake of it. And, and I, and I kind of like got myself a divorce. Just before I forget, right, I've been moved by, by a bit of uh, media this week and talking about rap has actually uh, kind of brought it back to me. And I made a point because uh, we had a bit of family, uh, we had a family film club. Um, Maisha and I and Maisha's mum, we did family film, film club and um, we watched Rocks. And I recommend everybody, it's on iPlayer, it's a story of a teenage girl who uh, finds herself stuck with her younger brother. Her mom just absconds and they live in East London. It is the most heartwarming story in terms of sibling love and care. And then it's such a tableau of London. There is one character who's only on there for about two minutes who says, I'm half Chinese, no, I'm quarter Chinese, quarter Jewish, quarter black, and I think quarter Pakistani. And you just can't get more East, East London than that. The, all the performances are delivered with such realism. It's like those early 1960s uh, uh, kitchen sink realism uh, movies and stuff uh, with Albert Finney, but updated for okay. the 2020s. All of the kids who are in it, um, none of them are actors. None of them went off to Italia Conti school and any of that. How they've got these performances out of them, heaven only knows. The teachers are believable as teachers. And her little brother, who she looks after, 
He's a star for the future. You've got to go and watch it. It's called Rocks. It's an iPlayer. Mm. It will blow your barn doors off. It's just brilliant. And all these kids just went through um, the, these sessions in, communi- in, in community halls and then got to play the roles in it. And it's brilliant, utterly brilliant. It's called Rocks. And it you think it's going to be dark and it, and it is dark but it ends up in a in a lovely place and uh, it's just brilliant it's an eye player fabulous but what happened to alice in a and e hmm that's a that's <laughs> a good question that that's a good question and and i think that that ambiguity there auntie kerry warburton <laughs> has been left there deliberately hasn't it what tripped me up though was when the midwife talked about her being pregnant and drinking that seemed to be news for alice in that moment yeah 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 that was very strange whereas there was a long scene with her and chris as well wasn't there where they were kind of he was like well you know my friend babe she she was on holiday and she was drunk every night and um you know they were going (laughs) back and forth that was a very good chris turned out all right yeah (laughs) did you wonder about whether the midwife was picking up on Alice's peculiar reactions to the drink questions. Yeah. Alice, are you okay? At one point, because she obviously was having a moment of processing what she was hearing. Mm. Yeah, it's like, Kerry, how are you? Oh, fine, not thinking about crack cocaine at all. I mean, her reaction was so, (laughs) so, you know, it's like, oh, okay, Kerry, yeah. Let's file that piece of information away. Um, She was just sort of immediately was like, you know, oh, but yeah, I can have a drink occasionally, can't I? And and we'd already had the very depressing sort of like, you know, um, uh, EastEnders finish to the week before with... uh, with uh, Lillian and and her, you know, when she had a glass of wine in the pub, that was very, very mm. depressing. So one thing I would want to acknowledge is I do think, I do see the value in the plot line. I do remember we talked yeah. about it weeks and weeks and weeks ago, that it's something none of us know a huge amount about. And I already feel like the bits, bits of research I've done, I do feel I know a lot more about it. And I, and I am looking forward to is not the right word, but I am sort of reluctantly accepting mm. of my need to maybe learn a bit more about it. I mean, to Witherspoon's point, uh, I did, I, I my, my most current, thinking was that a glass of wine here or there was was considered better than the stress because that's that was my experience mm. only two and a half years ago so um yeah. you know there you go it's already been a learning experience we found out that basically they will not be able to tell whether or not the fetus has alcohol yeah that surprised me as well via the scan so it's only um, once the baby is born and even then it won't be definite until you know, further down the line when tests happen and blah, blah, blah. In other words, you know, that was definitely something that was going into Alice's mind thinking, I'm not going to know until it's born and then what? So that I imagined would steer her more towards um, considering abortion. We will see. It puts her in a very (laughs) difficult place, doesn't it? I mean, she's trapped. She's got, she's got the, a mother's, a mother's love for, her potential child she's got the, the the huge guilt of the damage she knows she's done because i know that mm. there's we've, we've gone backwards and forwards about the denial but yeah. the scales must have been ripped from her eye ripped from her eyes by now and she was in denial about the effect of drinking she wasn't in denial about how mm. much she was drinking she was putting like a positive gloss on it it's like oh this is all part of my fun lifestyle she, she wasn't in denial about the fact that she was consuming large amounts and i think that that you know she yeah. must be in, in, in a very dark place there was a really 
strong bit where Chris went, oh, don't worry, they're talking, she, that midwife, oh, he was actually angry with the midwife, wasn't he, yeah. for being alarmist and was sort of going, oh, well, that she's talking about someone who drinks a bottle of vodka a day, don't worry. And we're all thinking, yes, that's why we're all worrying, because <laughs> that's what I she's nearly, been I nearly doing. Did my, um, I nearly did my Chris impersonation again then, but um, and just to say, I always apologise for my bad impersonations, but I'm actually from the West Country, so I'm allowed to do that one, I think. Um, the, the okay. slight wurzel yeah but 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 yeah, he, yeah what was it he said oh, I've, 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 I've a right mind to complain yeah he's hugely irritating and suffocating isn't he yeah yeah mm. so in, in which, which case very well written towards Alice. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah I tell you what there's one character who's criminally underwritten it, it, it it's our jazzer and just before we go on to the, the next caller in a row because I think we've, we've done an awful lot on uh, you know Alice and Chris. Um, scratch cards. Uh, where do we stand on Jazza and the morality of him wanting to uh, keep somebody else's uh, scratch card? And wasn't it lovely talking about booze, just to link this properly up with the previous mm -hmm. topic, that there was uh, there was Jazza saying, come on, Alistair, me, me old pal, let's have, a, have a, a bit of the home brew. Alistair saying, absolutely not. It's too early in the day. Next scene, Alistair was pissed. <laughs> made me laugh <laughs> yeah it did me until when jazza was talking about he's had a few blackouts recently yeah where he couldn't remember <laughs> you, um, it was a bit oh that's weird isn't it he's he's okay on the alcohol front as far as listeners mm. are concerned alice isn't you know, that, that, that's a very good shout that is a very good shout and i had forgotten that you're completely right it was so jokey and oh it's just jazza when he's having blackouts but yes yeah 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 mm. but, but no I, I loved that alistair actually went for it at, before midday he had a few beers you know i'm not averse to that time drinking is quite lovely um but yeah i like their relationship very very much mm. yeah it, on the one hand it's fantastic that jim has built him in this kind of granny flat on the side of the house but it's also mm. slightly slightly weird that jazz has almost been put out to retirement you know at whatever age he is <laughs> what was it we decided sort of 35 to 40 roughly Mid-30s. yeah yeah so he's he's living in a granny flat sort of um slightly grace and flavor um and with you know his his uh, benefactor and his benefactor's son. It's an it's it's not it's not an ideal situation to act as a springboard no. for your love life. And when he gets a grand or thinks he's got a grand, he thinks he'll buy motorbike leathers to attract Jade, the biker girl. <laughs> like, and I, how old are you? you know this thirty-five-year-old or whatever a, he is. I don't want to be a pedant, mm. but you're going to get a very bad snake, an equally crappy um, uh, iguana, and an even worse set of uh, motorbike leathers if you're trying to get all of those for a grand. Um, yeah, the mo motorbike <laughs> leathers. Have you even got are... a motorbike? I don't know, mm. but you know the milk float there. They don't have much of a. They've got the open sides, haven't they? So that'll you know keep the flies <laughs> off him. And he's... Jazza, Alistair, and homebrew dealt with on Dumdy Dum, folks. Don't say that we don't do all the hot topics in last week's archers on this show uh with a spoon uh thank you for that peter and uh aunt auntie kerry warburton you can stand down now because now we have miranda hi there it's miranda apple android app on twitter i am trying to register onto your site but it won't let me sign up anywhere i know you're a select little group should i take this as a hint 
do you know, I've followed Miranda. She's followed me for a very long time and I've never heard her before. So what a shame she can't register. What's what's the answer to that one, Royfield? Um, what's my I... typing into Twitter? Apple Android. Yes, she's, and she's got a, uh, in her um, picture, she's got a jaunty kind of Breton sweater and then kind of multiple dogs, surrounded by multiple dogs and what looks like a very well-kempt and nice garb. Not too kempt either, which is always, you know, a sign of a, an evil person. Just the right amount of kempt. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I think you think we're more select than we actually are. <laughs> I'm an absolute whore when it comes to Twitter. <laughs> Someone follows me, follow back. No discernment whatsoever. It's some quirk of the software. It's nothing against you. And um, I will look at the logs at the, at the back end of the website and see if I can't see what's going on. I suggest you send me an email to royfield at gmail.com. R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D at gmail.com. And we'll get to the bottom of it, my dear, and we'll get it sorted. So no worries. Um, we'll accept anybody. Yeah, go on. Miranda, write in the email about the archers as well. If we're not already your best pals and your family, we want to be and we'll get it all sorted. No worries, my dear. Hold tight. Send us that email. We'll get it all sorted. Tickety-boo. Now it's Toronto. Hello, dum-dum. It's Mary in Toronto. I'm not contrary on Twitter. And I'm calling in response to Alice's conversation with her midwife. I think it was quite typical for Alice, given her high-achieving status, that she was very concerned with doing all the right things as part of her prenatal care. And I also appreciated the fact that the midwife talked about a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder being something where there's no quick diagnosis. It can't be picked up in a prenatal, antenatal scan. And, you know, it's a lot, a long road, I think she said, for, for children and families. So I think this is going to be quite a slow burn storyline if it's the issue they wish to focus on. I will tweet some links. As you know, I love to um, research public health information and link that to my love of the archers. And, you know, there was a study in the United States saying the average age of diagnosis for FASD was about four years old. So this could be quite a a long-term story, uh, which would be good if they do it that way because typically soaps try to compress the timeline and I think also it's a good story just to highlight the fact that the scale of FASD is really unknown. The prevalence of it is probably much higher than previously thought. And, you know, the UK is one of uh, the top five countries in terms of all people uh, drinking alcohol during pregnancy. It's definitely an issue for a lot of people uh, in the public health sector. All right. Um, keep good work and hope everyone's staying safe. And bye for now. Wow. Mary, I love Mary Dot's contrary calls. Uh, they're so information-packed, aren't they? Mm, uh, yes. Th- that nugget about the four years old being the average age of diagnosis. Yeah. And to, to my point earlier about, about you know, it's a grim storyline, but it's one that's going to educate. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and again, it makes us think about which route will they take with this? Will she have the baby? And this will be a very, very long running storyline or I, not. Yeah. If I mean, building on what Mary was saying, I mean, I think, yes, it would be great for them to be responsible and play it out in the long run because they've mm-hmm. invested pretty heavily in it. There should be a realistic ending that is cautionary to anyone who's kind of exposed to it or has the opportunity to learn mm-hmm. from it. 
can the information wait four years? That's four years of people not getting, not being mm. able to react to it or kind of, uh, you know, if the kid's born seemingly fine and we don't find out for four years, that's uh, four and a half years of um, people not being able to benefit from it. So yeah, depending on how Alice about. handled that with her knowledge yeah. of how she behaved in the run-up. In previous weeks and including this week, I've tried to be delicate about people's, you know, differing opinions on, you know, the, the right to adoption or, mm. or the right not to, to get through adoption, depending on your perspective. But, um, you know, it, it will be problematic if Alice does abort the the, the fetus, then, um, you know, that could be seen by some people as a an endorsement from the Archers and therefore the BBC on how to react to that situation. And now that's mm. good. That's going to cause a lot of um, upset, I think. So, you Which know, it's, it's going to be tricky for them. People think it might be a miscarriage and the choice taken. Right. Away. OK. Yeah. Do you, to Kerry, do you know whether whether that whether it increases that? I mean, I imagine it would do, but increases the chances of miscarriage, drinking too much, or? I honestly do not know, but I would imagine it yeah. would. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't have a clue. But it's fascinating, isn't it? Well done to the archers for having this as as a potential and current storyline. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and and sorry to keep on saying it, but I, my 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 intense discomfort with it is is does not sort of diminish my admiration for what they're doing. Yeah, I, I'm somewhat perturbed by the exact provenance of these gold coins that were found on Brookfield myself, right? Because I want to know what what exactly are they? How comes Eddie, when he was there with his metal detector well, about twenty years ago, Eddie didn't find them uh, at Brookfield? What's all that about? Jill planted them. She sort of tossed them by uh, Ben's foot and went, oh, what's that by your foot? <laughs> it, um, <laughs> to liven up his social life. Drunken metal detecting syndrome. Um, you know, excessive alcohol consumption during metal detecting results in, um, you know, poor results that only manifest four years later. <laughs> you know what, Pete? That's a good a shout as any. Uh, Mary, <laughs> thank you for that. And uh, thank you, for, as Auntie Kerry Warburton says, for always being so informationally uh, thick and dense. And I mean that in the most positive uh, of ways uh, when you call in with your caller in us because uh, you give us lots of uh, lots of things to ponder and then you come out with, with the facts too. Uh, last caller in of this week's episode, it's our Claire Asprey. Hey there, Dum to Dom. It's Claire from Clapham here. Um, had such a good time Friday with the uh, Dum to Dum crew. Uh, it was really lots of fun. Thanks everyone for being there. Was just bringing in about this last week, and I don't want to get embroiled in the whole is Gavin redeemable question, um, but I do want to make a prop prediction, and that is that Gavin has developed a conscience by living with the indentured labour. And I think that Gavin's emerging conscience, and he's, he's, a, he's now able to see them as human beings instead of horses. Um, and I think that something to do with that is going to be one of the things that brings down Philip's slavery empire. Um, and yeah, so I think whatever happens to bring down that whole arrangement, Gavin and his development of a conscience about it is going to be a key factor. Uh, that doesn't mean the same as it is that he's redeemable. I'm not getting into that. I just think that that's going to be part of that story. Also on Alice and Chris, oh, Chris is being really 
almost overbearing. Like if you didn't know that he was just like, you know, really adoring and everything, you could mistake his behaviour at the moment for the kind of behaviour you would have expected from someone like Rob Titchener, uh, which is why it's so interesting and so why people like Rob can get away with that kind of thing because people don't realise. Anyway, keep up the good work and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Claire from Clapham. Yeah, yeah. the plot prediction. Mm. No, I was just thinking that was a very interesting point about Chris that I hadn't considered. Yeah. And, um, you know, often often when you and I talk, Kerry, about, about the archers and you'll sort of point out some mm. of these controlling behaviours and then I'll immediately think, oh, God, you know, am I am I you know do I do that with at home am I one of those people and then and then I immediately think well mm. no if I was one of those people I probably wouldn't worry about it so much but anyway um but yeah I did that's yeah <laughs> that, that was a really good point you know it's the it's the it's the killing with kindness it's the you know it's the um the, the golden cage and the smothering caringness and controlling somebody is yeah, yeah it's difficult to distinguish isn't it at times and I do think yeah, to to her previous point about Gavin's conscience and so on. Yes, definitely. We did discuss the fact that his conscience may well be what brings Philip down. They did definitely make a point about that that he'd that he'd enjoyed. Um, you know, Philip had sort of um, slightly chided him for enjoying some time. You know, he'd he'd made comment about the fact that Blake was quite good fun. You know, um, and that yeah. Kenzie had been giving him some advice about dating. Or I might be getting the names mixed up, but uh, but you know that, that that he had had he had developed some kind of relationship with them when he'd been. Mm. Um, you know, not locked away with him because he's the, the one doing the locking. But where yeah, when he'd been sort of um, you know looking after them, so to speak. I do think it's valuable that they are um, evil doesn't just arrive fully formed and packaged. It has to grow. Mm. It has to be developed. And, you know, Gav, they're doing a good job with Gavin at showing that. Unfortunately, it's massively undercut by this whole ridiculous gambling plot line that just yeah. blows. You know, every time you're starting to engage in the very serious matter mm. of the um, of the slaving, then it then all of a sudden you've got this um upstairs downstairs um are you being served nonsense with the whole um, um trying to hide that you know pretend it's all a gambling addiction so yeah, yeah um that's a shame it is mm. uh, a shame a shame indeed a shame indeed uh aunt Kerry warburton do we have any emails with an h yes we do we do it always takes me by surprise here i am i'm opening up my folder with the well, documents in <laughs> uh whilst you're doing that then i'll fill yeah. it for 20 seconds because there was okay. there was uh the winner of the dum de dum talent show was um saraku nogan and i know i have not pronounced that correctly it sounds like you've got a, a vietnamese uh, surname there sarah and um she um, so we had Witherspoon who counted back from 100 uh, in increments of seven, really quite fast. We had Audriane Carubius who played her Korean drum to spectacular uh, feats of volume. It was just like so loud and so frenetic. It was amazing. Uh, we had Stephen Bowden who did, uh, who did some live cocktail mixing. We had Francesca Word Salad who played a rather rude song. Uh, we had some singing it was just wonderful but the winner was Sarah who uh, pulled out um, a US voting form and said I'm going to vote on air um, who should I vote for 
and the poignancy and the uh, import of what she was doing wasn't lost on anybody and it was a stunning uh, talent to display that she had the talent to pick the right future president and vice president of the United <laughs> States. So well done to you, Sarah. You blew everyone's socks off and uh, it was an awesome talent to display. Uh, does that give you enough time? Oh, yes, I'm here. And and actually, the first of the two emails that we received is from Mia Fox. And she's talking about the Zoom saying, Hi, Royfield, I just wanted to send heartfelt thanks for arranging the Dumpty Dum Zoom last night. I really enjoyed it and Sunny was great too. I know it's a lot of effort, but it is so appreciated by many, many people. That's from Mia. Oh, thank you, Mia. Uh, yeah. And then we have the second one is from Vicky Cole. Ooh, Good I old love Vicky, Vicky Cole. You do, don't you? I know. So do I. Yeah. So this one is... Um, she says, hi, everyone. Hope you're all keeping well and safe. I hope Cosmo is on the mend. He's, he was one of the first Dumpty Dummers I met, along with Andrew Horn and Glyn. I also managed to meet Mary, not contrary, and Victoria for gin in Toronto. Nice to hear Mary again recently. And thanks, Victoria, for getting in touch last week. And Jan as well. A few years ago now, isn't Dumpty Dum amazing? I was so sorry Zoom, but the time difference made it too hard. I'm looking forward to catching up with that soon. It sounded lots of fun. Nothing really specific about the Archers, but I had forgotten the feeling of waking up excited to hear the next episode. Time difference again, in brackets. Could I sneak my headphones on to listen without waking my husband up? And that feeling is back. Hurrah. <laughs> Love to everyone from Vicky. Um, oh, and she also puts, P.S. You need to update the website info about the new hosts. I do. I do. And I also <laughs> need to update it with the, the social media uh, team who've given me all of their details. I'm actually going to do it next week. Uh, I've, I'm going to clear away some time and I'm going to do it all next week, uh, Vicky. And... Um, it's ju just a note for maybe for newer Dumpty Dummers. Um, they probably won't know, but like Vicky, uh, when she first started listening to the show, she was Vicky from Kenya. And one of her very first calls, you could hear uh, the cicadas mm. in the background and the roar of the lions. And I kid you, kid you not. And we had to say, where exactly are? And she was, yeah, I'm like basically on, on, on in the plains and um, in, in Kenya. And now her and her hubby have actually moved to Sri Lanka. And the reason why that is significant is because she went traveling uh, through Canada a few years back and through Dumpty Dum, um, she met Mary, not contrary in Toronto, and then has gone back to the UK and gone to London and met Cosmo and met Andrew Horn. And, and it just goes to underline that, yeah, we prattle on about the archers. And, and I try and keep up with the intellectual debate that uh, Kerry and Peter have and I just like you know talk about films that I've watched because I can't quite keep up most of the time but in and around all of this Archer's Chat is just a wonderful community of people who have made friends all over the globe so if you are going to go traveling somewhere 
and you want to reach out to people, why don't you go on to dumdydum.com or go on to the Facebook group and say, I am traveling too. And invariably, there's always one or two dumdydummers who live where you're going and will, you know, buy you a drink somewhere, uh, bake you a cake, uh, just do wonderful, lovely things for you. And uh, Vicky Cole is proof positive of that. Uh, now, uh, we're going to take five which is a ridiculous thing to say on a podcast, but we're going to have a little bit of a break. You might hear an advert and we're going to come back the other side and it's going to be some socials and it's Elsa. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. What a week. This week we've had our Dumb to Dumb live with Sunny Ormond. Reminder to put Sunny on my baby names list. And people were raving about it on the Facebook group. If you missed it, you can catch it now. It's posted on the group. Which, by the way, is really buzzing. It's a really friendly place to chat all things Ambridge. So if you aren't there yet, please come on board. You can find it by searching Dumb T Dumb, not Dumb D Dumb, on Facebook. You'll have to answer a mystery question to get that in. So don't forget to do that. This week started with me not knowing the difference between Ben and Johnny, and to be honest, the rest of the teenage boys at Ambridge, 
and wondering if Ben or Johnny or whoever, what they would do with their lottery winnings and what you might do with them. We had lots of suggestions, maybe giving it to local charities, but mostly we had people ribbing me for not being a committed enough Archers fan. On the back of this, I asked you which characters you got mixed up. Mine being all the teenage boys, I think it's a bit as standing up to the patriarchy, Kate and Alice, and Jim and Oliver. Tom and Rex also came in fairly high, which I completely agree with, and Stephen said that he can never distinguish between the Montbelliards and the Herefords. Moolala! Emma didn't think that the midwife who was berating Alice about her drinking rang true. No empathy or friendliness. And like Emma, I've never met a midwife like that. Alice would also have had to have time with the midwife without Chris there. It's like a safeguarding protocol that I've had with each of my pregnancies, but which wasn't told to us. Maybe that happened off uh Liz is wondering if Alice will be able to stick to her no-alcohol pledge, or if she'll fall at the first sign of stress. Keith is concerned that the damage has already been done, and Carolyn is convinced that she's going to slip up, saying that at some point she's going to rationalise her drinking by saying the damage is already done. Suzanne is finding relief in the buried treasure storyline, which I agree with. It's all got pretty heavy since the proper archers came back, and it's so lovely to see that intergenerational relationship flourish. And how I'd love to hear the dum-to-dum storyline about Royfield and his nan chatting away. Elvis is wondering if Jenny Darling was crying so much at the idea of becoming even more related to a horror bin, with Lynn replying that their gene pools are now even more mixed. But Julie was just happy to hear her voice again. And then the final point, which I'm going to make, was from Andrew. I thought this was really interesting. He was asking why posh ex-drug dealers, Freddie, are given are forgiven when working-class modern slavers, Gavin, are perhaps not. The comments echoed my opinion that Freddie's drugs cran- transgression was not in the same ballpark as owning human beings. It's a more complicated conversation than a straight comparison. However, I did think it was an interesting point. And it would be interesting to see if a working class kid from the village would be offered the same olive branch that Freddie has been. And whilst on the topic of Blake and Kenzie and Gavin and Philip, I just wanted to remind everybody about the point that someone brought up on a previous episode about not referring to them as, and I'll say it now, but I don't like saying it, horses, ourselves. It's a really horrible term, and like we wouldn't use the N-word, I don't think we should say it. I think that also the word slave puts the blame on Blake and Kenzie rather than the people in the wrong, the enslavers. So maybe we should be using the term enslaved people instead. My preference is just to use their names, but in the case that where we're talking about them as a group, maybe. Enslaved people. Just a thought. Anyway, on that cheerful note, it's goodbye from me and I'll see you in a few weeks. Elsa, lovely to hear you, my dear. Auntie Kerry Warburton. Um, you used to do Tweets of the Week, didn't you? I used to, but then I handed that over to the lovely Peter Fickling. Yay! Peter! <laughs> <laughs> Give us some tweets right. of the last seven days, sir. Well, I, I'm full. I'm going to warbiss the hell out of this because I am, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just relying on some old favourites and I'm also using a bit of nepotism um, to, uh, um, but um, anyway. <laughs> how is what is it i always say it's uh gold silver bronze starting with bronze as is traditional so arguably kerry's favorite um ambridge twitterer a bit buddish <laughs> says um oh for heaven's sakes buried treasure winning scratch cards was ambridge founded on by a leprechaun with the world's biggest biggest lucky foot uh, rabbit's foot collection god that's one hell of a sentence to say 
I'm going to say it again. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake, buried treasure, winning scratch cards. Was Ambridge founded by a leprechaun with the world's biggest lucky, lucky rabbit's foot collection? I uh, got through it that time, yeah. Anyway, so that was um, a bit Buddhist. And now, silver position. David from Barnet, spelt exactly as you'd think. Quick, the Archer scriptwriters start working on a screwball comedy spin-off where 90-year-old Jill ends up visiting Ben and getting stuck at his quarantine university for Freshers' Week. <laughs> Foam party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they do seem, to, there does seem to be a genuine affection between the two of them. And oh, um, I like yeah, that I should, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I should call my, I should call my um, lovely grandmother. I'd, I'd, I don't call her as much as I used to. And I, I need to get back on that. It's all the, it's all the tiny tyrants felt the child, but uh, yeah, I, I need to, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll use that as a cue because it is, it is. Oh. I, and I like the way that Ben's turning out as well. I mean, he's nothing yeah. like either of his parents. And that's very high praise. It is. <laughs> yeah. And and actually, while we're on it, um, how poisonous was Ruth in dealing with Ben uh, when he went oh, to God. talk to her about the coins? Yeah. I mean, I've, she my, hated my the idea are, of trenches. Yeah. Because I, I asked uh, Royfield, I asked Kerry, it'd be interesting to get your opinion about this. I asked Kerry, um, you know, if either of her adult children came to her excited about some kind of um harebrained scheme to do with them um, you know to do with uh, uh uh the house or you know even messing with you know like kerry's business a bit i mean you'd start from a position of positivity that was your point wasn't it kerry yeah definitely you would embrace it listen encourage it she was awful until um it was discovered that they were anglo-saxon coins she was like woohoo this could be great for us yeah and and, oh. and before royfield um gives us a Sorry, I've just invited, invited Voipil's opinion and immediately gone elsewhere. Ruth doesn't even have the excuse of having awful parents. Her mother was lovely. Yeah, I know. Royfield, anyway. Ruth, how, what do you think of her? What I think of her is that she's definitely one of the voices we should have heard a monologue for because you get to understand her more. Just like what Peter said, that, you know, mm-hmm. from what we know about Ruth, uh, she had a lovely mum. So why is Ruth this slightly detached figure from the whole of Archer's Dome. A monologue from mm. Ruth would have actually, uh, you know, filled in the cracks, so to speak, there, you know. That would have been a, a bit of grout in Maybe that. Maybe that's what she needs. Mm. There you go. Um, but in terms, yeah. of, in terms of, yes, peeing all over Ben's parade, yes, she did that spectacularly. And he is a teenage boy and he's every reason to get excited about finding some golden coins or some old coins, sorry, on the farm. And yes, she should have been a much more gracious um, adult and says, yes, I'm excited too. And then maybe slightly then tried to like bring him down. But yeah, she she is uh, <laughs> a, somewhat of a curmudgeon. Uh, but I want to know the reason why. Do I actually really want to hear a monologue from Ruth? No, but I, I, but I actually find her one of the more fascinating characters because even though she's in it loads we don't really know an awful lot about her other than she can't cook that's fundamentally yeah. what we know she can't cook and that david worries about whether she loves him or not yes but but that yeah. but, but but we got that completely from him didn't we and yeah, and, and actually true. from tim from from the act, that's his interpretation. Though yeah. I don't know how that is, you know, how explicitly that's ever been voiced. But it made a whole load of sense when he said that. It did. It did. I did love. Sorry, Peter. You can get to gold in a moment. But um, <laughs> um, I did love Jill. <laughs> Jill saying that David is a glass half empty, 
risk averse person. She was dissing our David, wasn't she? Which I quite yeah. enjoyed. We can have gold. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, the Twitter, <laughs> yeah. Um, the twi- the Twitters. Anyway, so um, uh, a, a bit of um, behind the scenes action here, um, listeners. Before um the uh, podcast uh, started recording, Royfield was putting me under painful pressure to oh, include one Peter. of his tweets. Uh, <laughs> okay, you were there. Kerry, you I am witness it, to this. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, to show Did you, this not I cr- say that with any level of seriousness, Peter? Yes. Well, oh God! <laughs> you're, you're you're famed for your sincerity and your seriousness. Anyway, mm. so. I, I did not buckle under managerial pressure, but however, there is a little bit of nepotism going on because it's our very own and dear Rosie Porty at Porty Rosie. And she says, in a gold position, pregnancy chat questions. If in early if in my early pregnancy I drank four bottles of Blue Nun plus two bottles of vodka plus three bottles of cherry brandy a day, will taking an Aldi multivitamin reverse the impact? <laughs> yes, that is a cracker. Yeah. And Brilliant. yeah, because that, that was pretty much Alice's response, was it? Well, Chris's response <laughs> yes, was like, it well, was. we better get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But also, yes, interesting choice of drink, drinks, Rosie. I'm like, you know, I think, I think some, some of that's been chosen for comedic value, but I have a feeling the cherry brandy might be an actual tipple of choice. That's oh, just, I love um, that's got a snap. Yeah, I reckon Rosie might like a bit of cherry brandy. I have no yeah. reason to. That's not based on anything more than just um, instinct. But yeah. Anyway, so gold tweet of the week. Congratulations. I'd like to have a cherry brandy with Rosie. Yeah, wrote, wrote Rosie. Um, I mean, Rosie has a very uh, acerbic and dry wit. I would, I would very much enjoy um, experiencing that in person. Mm. We need a Christmas get together if we're allowed by the government. Yeah, uh, yeah, or if they, or if they screw it up so catastrophically, it just you know the whole country descends into a kind of a giant sort of bacchanal, and then we can just meet whenever we want. Is there a tier where you have to drink cherry brandy? <laughs> yeah, well, only if you're in the south. Uh, if you're in the south, if you're in the okay. south, you can do whatever you want. But this this nebulous north. Um, I, I, someone was getting very righteously indignant um, on, and when I say righteously, I mean I agree with them uh, mm. on uh, the other day, saying, "Can you stop calling it the North? It's a geographically and socially complex, you know, a collection of regions, and just keep on calling us the North is incredibly patronising and irritating." And I thought, "Yes, does, yes, it is." Does the South not happen then? Uh, well, well, but I guess the seat of powers in the South, isn't it? And also, yeah. also, it's specific to the, specific to um, um, specific to COVID. The restrictions have. I mean, I, I, I guess that there have, you know, statistically there have been higher levels of COVID in 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 the in the north. But but still, the way it's being dealt with, it's kind of you know, it when the messaging is also kind of like naughty people going out and obeying the rules and drinking in the places we told you to and and leaving, mm. you know, going to these different events that we told you to go to. So it's a bit <laughs> of a slap in the face, and you know. Yeah. And, when it's twinned with that language, it's um, you know, it just yeah. doubles down. It reminds but me of been... when I got I got on a train from Lon- from Brighton to go to London once to meet my friend James, and uh, I knew it had all gone wrong when I looked out of the window in the darkness and saw that motorway sign that said the North. Yes, I was on a train; I could see it, and I thought, I think I've gone a bit wrong here, <laughs> and had had to get off at Luton and go back. 
But you've got you've got a but you're you know Kerry you're the um you're a perfect hybrid aren't you because you've got a foot in both yeah. camps you're sort of fully invested in the north and the south yeah I am indeed yes I have a slight northern twang having lived there for twelve years um, yeah so yeah I have a deep affection for Yorkshire and the north yeah I am a I am a, a big big fan of the north and I have no. No reason to be, except for just going there and thinking it's amazing. It is, but there, but there is I am. Indeed. There I am, a hypocrite, Kerry, just describing it as the North. You know, my love of I can't even be bothered to love the North in specific and thoughtful ways. I just, it's a, my love is just this horrible smothering blanket. <laughs> We're humans, Peter. We're fallible. Yes, yes, that's that's painfully true. Yeah. What I always noticed about the North when I was a teenager and travelling up the M6 was you never got there. There were signs saying the North. And then when you got <laughs> to Scotland, you're in Scotland. You well, where's the North then? You <laughs> never get to the North on a motorway. Dumdydum.com, go there. It's got shops, got lots of awesome things you can do there, folks. You can post comments on past shows. You can sign up when it works, Miranda. We're going to make it work. And then you can like message people and you can like hang out with other dumpty dumps. So, uh, oh God, and we used to do the map thing. Remember that, folks? People of a certain vintage, you could pin yourself to a map, which really yeah. then did help when people were traveling around the world, not even just the world, just the UK. We're going to try and bring that back. So, dumptydum.com, folks. Awesome things you can do on there. Make of it what you can. That's what I say. Now, Patreon. Patreon is wonderful. And I keep saying this every week and I keep on forgetting. Now, uh, Peter and Kerry uh, gave me a right kick in yesterday. Um, some of it was, was maybe deserved. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say that with, with a lot of humility. Uh, but what I need to do is I need to prep more. And when I prep more, it means that I will actually do the Excel spreadsheet, which has all of the Patreons and all of the PayPal donators, because you people are bloody important. And it's only right and proper that at least once, twice a year, um, I read out from that August Excel spreadsheet all of your names and give you your due time in the spotlight as being people that don't just listen to the podcast but put your hands in your wallets and in your purses and actually contribute to it it's going to happen next week going to do my prep i'm not going to let you down if you would like to be on that list why don't you go to patreon.com and donate two dollars per show and basically what it means is that when stuff needs paying for it gets paid for today is a case in point we had some technical issues yet again with Zencaster. So I had to get the old wallet out and get it sorted so it could have clean feed. And that's the reason why the Patreons are so close to our hearts, because it means that when stuff goes south, hey, uh, and get paid, things can get paid for. So patreon.com, go there if you'd like to support this podcast and to keep the good ship Dumbly Dum afloat. Aren't you Kerry Warburton? Yes. Sorry, <laughs> my phone just went into. Uh, sorry about this. It just shut down. Um, okay, I'm awfully, awfully sorry. Uh, remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via Speakpipe on the website or call 0203-031-3105 to leave a message or send a text message starting with dumb to 0778620060. Mm. 
and uh, Twitter. I'm not going to go on too much about Twitter. You know the drill. Uh, Peter's on Twitter. Kerry's on Twitter. Dumpty Dum's on Twitter. I have exciting news from Twitter. And Peter's got news from Twitter. So Miranda called in earlier, um, sort of uh, uh, requesting more interaction. I followed her on air. Um, assuming that doesn't get edited by Royfield. And um, yes, so she's just, it's already happening. There's messages pinging backwards and forwards between, from Miranda. She just liked me, um, uh, a tweet I put out where I was giving Lawrence Fox a kicking. So uh, if you want some Lawrence Fox <laughs> kicking action, um, get to Apple and Android app and, um, and me. Yes, that's where it's happening. Crumbs. There you go. Instant yeah. feedback loop, folks. Instant. Now, Peter Fickley, if somebody does want to, uh, you know, ping you enter into a dialogue with you uh you know just like socially play with you on twitter how can they do that <laughs> um okay yeah um <laughs> at pete fickling smashing um, now, you think yeah uh on to kerry warburton your surname Hi. is not warburton and are you actually an auntie i am an auntie to billy and nancy who live yeah, they are good names, aren't they? Strong. Um, they live in Wickfield in York with my brother, who's their dad, and his lovely wife, Tara. Hello. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I am at Kerry Warbis, which is K-E-R-I-W-A-R-B-I-S. About the mm. tweets, I did want to say about, mm. remember when tweeting about the archers, use the capitalised hashtag of oh, yes. hashtag the archers using a capital T and a capital A because it helps visually impaired people who use their screen readers. So a bit of sensibleness there. Yeah, well done. I'm going to forgo uh, telling you to follow me on Twitter because I always go, well, that's just like a bit of a... A crapshoot, basically. You don't know what you're going to get if you follow me on Twitter. Uh, but if you've got um, a little bit of time, uh, on maybe on your Sunday, you know, Sunday afternoon, you've had a little bit of, uh, you know, you've had your roast dinner. You're just on, just loosening your belt. Uh, the, the family are going off doing whatever they're doing. Just want to settle down with something. Um, why don't you give my 10 American presidents a little bit of an airing? Uh, I only do about four or five of them a year because it takes me forever to do them and this is this week is part one of reagan there's no two ways about it in the last 40 years of american history he's been the most uh, pivotal president and he helped shape uh, the neoliberal world that we're that we are saddled with today so I'm kind of giving the game away as to what i think about him really but he was an incredibly charismatic <laughs> Uh, person who has an incredible backstory and I look at that in this month's 10 American presidents which only goes up to his time when he uh, gives up the governorship of California so we look at his uh, career in Hollywood and a whole load of other things besides and his drift leftwards because he starts off being somewhat of a of a bit of a social radical uh, he's a, he was a democrat he was a lefty and he ends up being an arch republican an arch conservative so um Go listen to that and let me know what you think. Um, it's Reagan part one. Uh, Facebook. If you like Facebook, go on to Facebook, type in Dumpty Dum and you'll get yourself some Dumpty Dum on Facebook. Now, before I say ta a bit, um, I'm going to hand the mic over to my two podcasting buddies for them to talk about something which is maybe interested them, exercise them, perplex them. 
um, since we last were on air. Now, Auntie Kerry Warburton, uh, you first. Mm. Would you like to talk about anything? Is there anything on your chest? <laughs> right, that's that. <laughs> Pete Fickling. <laughs> Would you like don't, to don't uh, fill in dead air, sir? And would you like to um, <laughs> pontificate on well, on a, on a topic? A, just a bit of general sort of Kerry wrangling advice for everyone, really. Don't ever put a double entendre in front of Kerry and expect <laughs> some kind of serious response. It's not going to happen and you're not going to get one. So that's, yep. <laughs> yeah. That's, Thank you, Peter. Yeah. Smashing. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. Well done. Um, if I came out with a double entendre um it was completely and utterly uh not meant so if i said something silly i really do apologize <laughs> and i don't even know what i'm supposed to have said other than i just thought i'd put you on the spot anyway that's me that's been another <laughs> week uh discussing all things ambridge i talked about rocks i've talked about ronald reagan and in between all of that you had some full-on chat about borsitcher ta a bit bye Pete, do you want to say goodbye? Oh, tomorrow a bit. No, you can't say that, Pete. <laughs> that, that's my sign-off. Oh, Have your own sign-off. Come on. Uh, okay, what do they I'll say in south-east London? Uh, well, in, in, uh, oh God. I'll do my posh southerner thing then, you know. Chin-chin.